Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E. ESA.com slash iHeart. You know, I'm going to just, before we introduce, before we do anything, before we even say anything past what I'm saying right now, I'm going to just hit this track because if you read the title and got excited, this is all you really want to hear. X-Men. heat and i did the slow fade just to make it extra dramatic uh yeah that was the theme for x-men and look when i get famous enough to just make stuff happen i just want to do the orchestral version of that because you 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 hear the like digitized you know harps and violins in that and dings and dongs like i need to hear the the real i need the band on that straight analog oh my gosh that that, and I was thinking about themes just this week before even doing this podcast because the Spider-Man theme was pretty. That one was pretty mm. good. Spider-Man, you Spider-Man. <laughs> and I'm going to save that for when we do the Spider-Man TV episode. You gotta For now, you just got to take my word for it. Uh, so, yeah, today we're back. It's your boy, Ify Wadi Way. It's Nerdificent. And we have our guest host back again. You heard his voice already, so you know who it is, Ed Crazy. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Ed Greer here uh, on the Nervous Podcast. Uh, this is great. This is a great uh, occurrence. I know people were jazzed out of uh, the last episode. Thank y'all for the kind words, and uh, thank you for Ed finding the time to make it with us. Danny, she's a busy bee. She's been out here filming long hours, working hard. And me, 
doing nothing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I see you working hard. Yeah. Man. Uh, but yeah, so I'm glad you could sit down with us, and you know, especially just that that vibe we had going for miles. I was real excited to talk uh, to you about the X Men TV series, which you know, let's cut right to it. This isn't the the X Men like history. This is just the TV series, mostly because one, if I was going to do the full X Men. Danny would want to be here too because the TV series is a great place to start because that's I feel like that's where a lot of people our age started with right. X-Men was the TV series and I've already said this on past episodes how the TV series did a real good job of covering actual events from the comic books and putting it on TV and I feel like you don't get that with comic book shows now they kind of build their own stories and sometimes even feel like they're in a separate universe. Yeah, it, it does feel like they, they think that the comic book stories aren't good enough for the, like, yeah. boy, boy, uh, Iron Fist, I'm looking at you. I'm, look, I'm looking at a lot of stuff. Even to a certain extent, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, hot take, even to a certain extent, that new Young Punisher. I, yeah. I, I really felt like if you did more of him killing slavers and stuff, yeah. dudes like me who like him would yeah. have been down. So yeah, uh, but this X-Men uh, show, they really... I think they did almost like a, a, a primer for like the, the MCU. How oh, like yeah. MCU picked some of the best stuff out of the Ultimates, best stuff out of the 616, and made a nice little gumbo that tastes good for the tune of billions <laughs> and billions of dollars. <laughs> so I think this was the man for for an outside company to come in and see these characters this fresh and, mm-hmm. and do them this well. Boy. Oh, yeah. Well, you could just tell that it was a company that cherished the source material. And this is another thing that I say again and again, like a broken record, but whenever you see an adaptation, the only way it can be good is when the source material is respected and revered by the person who's making it. Once again, you know, some people love it. I don't hate it, you know, but the first live action Batman movie we got, Tim Burton never even read Batman. He <laughs> just he just did his thing and had the best. And I think he did pretty well for someone who did not do it because Dragon Ball Evolution was made by someone who didn't watch Dragon Ball and that was just Well, I mean the 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 very the very first Batman movie that we were uh, treated to besides the 1966 one yeah. for some of the <laughs> fogies. Uh I'm I'm shaking my fist at my radio. <laughs> but basically uh one of the it was almost like somebody uh it's like that old parable of the three blind dudes who touched the elephant. And one of them touched the touched the trunk. It says it's a big snake. And one of them touched the leg. That's oh, a pillar. And one of them touched the whatever. And th- they all have this different seeing of it, right? Yeah. It seems like Tim Burton like looked at the very, very, very surface, the very surface. I black, dark, night. Got it. <laughs> and and did a movie that even with just that amount of information, really did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Yeah. I really and I. You know, I I really do still think his Batmobile was real. I liked it. I I still to this day was like, you nailed that Batmobile. It's still one of my favorite Batmobiles. And I think it is, I think, the best one that has been on the silver screen. I mean, it is is the Cadillac of Batmobiles. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the dude from Compton is going to love the Cadillac of Batmobiles. But I mean, like you had the Tumblr, which eventually did grow on me, but. That it was like, like it was very much. I, oh man, this is a whole. I know we're talking X Men, but this is a whole story where you can really see what the creators going for in their Batman based off the Batmobile. Because if you look at this like elegant, dark, sexy Batmobile, that's kind of how you can kind of describe the first Batman. Mm-hmm. Because when you got 
you know, the latex cat woman and like just <laughs> like they really ramped up the sex in her. And then you have, you know, the functional, realistic tumbler. Yeah, the tumbler was like almost like realistically ugly. Like I think yeah. if, if if Christopher Nolan was a fashion photographer, he'd he'd spray on acne on the ladies and stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, yeah. He'd just do something to dirty it up because he thinks that real is an aesthetic to aspire to. Yeah. Very much so. And that's and that was his Batman was very mm-hmm. realistic. But well, as far as far as um as far as the X Men go though, when you look at how realistic it is to try to put seventy dang years of of canon yes. into a cartoon, you know, it's or rough. at that time, at point at that point, you know, like uh, like almost forty, you know what I mean? Uh, trying to discover how you're going to characterize all these characters, and you know, there are certain sh- shortcuts. Like I remember, uh, Wolver- Lady Deathstrike was was in uh was in the series, and he and she was more of like a lover of Wolverine. Yeah, little changes like that that would make it more engaging for an audience that hadn't read a thousand books. But m- for more the most part, like you said, keeping to the source material. Oh yeah. So uh, just to go down the the bullet points as always, X Men. Uh, also known as X-Men the Animated Series, uh, or X-Men the TV Series, uh, <laughs> is an American animated television show, and it debuted in on Halloween of 1992. What a weird day to debut a cartoon. <laughs> you know, the ki- the day that the kids are most likely going to be out. <laughs> let's, let's debut a cartoon. And uh, it debuted on the Fox Kids Network. In 1992, that was four years after I was born now. Yeah, I nailed it. I'm usually not good at quick math. <laughs> Nailed uh, it. But uh, X-Men was Marvel Comics' second attempt at an animated TV show. And uh, it was after the pilot, X-Men Pride, spelled P-R. I tried to, like, pronounce it differently. <laughs> I but, did see that. I yeah, noticed that. it was very weird. Uh, but <laughs> it's spelled P-R-Y-D-E. Yeah, for Kitty Pride. Yeah. And it wasn't picked up. So, but this this one was a smash hit. Well, I mean, it seems like when you find the right team, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things can happen. Especially with Marvel uh, properties back then, they didn't quite have all this control that we envision them having right now. Yeah. They're kind of you're kind of giving your baby up to a bunch of dudes in Korea. You know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, that's to get so it right. <laughs> you're just like, ah, oh, let's try. Yeah. So when Margaret Loesch became the head of the Fox Children's Network, uh, which basically is the you know Fox Kids. She was the one who was kind of championing the Pride of X-Men pilot back in 1989, which is when they tried to do it, which I'd love to see that. You know, I, I want to know what the 1989 X-Men animated series was versus well, you the know, 92. They had that animated movie where uh, where Wolverine sounded Australian as hell. Oh, man. Like, oh, mate, I'm, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because before, like, comic books became – this thing everyone was aware of and paying attention to. I can see how like someone would look at Wolverine and go, oh, that dude's definitely Australian. <laughs> well, they, they couldn't see uh, Canada. It's so funny that Wolverine is from Canada when he's such a hardcore dude and Canadian yeah. is supposed to be so nice. Oh, yeah. He's like, he, I know. He, it, that is so funny. It's like, yeah, no, that's it. And also, I, I found it funny that they did do the voice work in, in Canada. Yeah, they did a bunch of voice work in Canada, and uh, I think that's funny to cast the whole cast. Like, if, like I'm gonna find a, a a gambit in Canada. I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Canadians, can you do this Cajun accent? <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Uh, so Saban Entertainment was 
the one who was contracted to produce the show and ended up hiring the small studio Graz Entertainment to produce the episodes because they didn't have staff at the time to really do in-house production. Yeah. And then Graz employed the creative staff, wrote and designed each episode and drew the storyboards. And then the voice work was done using, like you said, the Canadian uh, actors. And it was a Canadian and South Korean studio called ACOM. Oh, yeah, and they, they were the ones that actually animated the episodes after yeah. looking at the storyboards from the grass team. Yeah. Exactly. So you remember when I was being real funny about it, dropping on Halloween? We got a little more info on that. It was originally set to premiere over Labor Day weekend, which sounds like it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they had some production delays, and that's why it got pushed to the end of October. And when they turned in the first episode, it contained hundreds of animation errors, which Acom refused to fix. <laughs> uh, that's that's such a ballsy move where it's like, you you messed it up and you're like, nah. Yeah. Nah, you told me Wolverine's supposed to be black and, <laughs> and have a mohawk. I did it that way. So, you know, no, that? that's supposed to be Storm. Storm. Nah. No, no, no. On this, on the, <laughs> I was going to say email, but were, was email popping like that back then? <laughs> was email it, it had to be. It had to be. I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this highest levels of uh, mm-hmm. animation, maybe it was. But yeah, so uh, but they had delays and a bunch of errors across the first two episodes, I think, right? Yeah. And uh, the second episode ended up being turned in like right before the deadline with 50 scenes missing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 50 whole scenes missing. So they only had a day for editing. And they kept running into issues. And Fox eventually... And honestly, hearing the story much too late, kind of put their foot down and said that they'll just cancel the contracts if they don't get it right. So then they re-aired the pilot in early 1993, and all the errors were corrected. And <laughs> it was history from there. Like, it's funny. It was like, oh, all they had to do was be like, we'll fire you. <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we do need a job. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take the mohawk off the Canadian guy. Yeah, yeah, I guess. And we'll, we'll see what we could do. Right, do I have to erase the lightning coming out of his claws, though? Because the people in the studio thought that was pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that has to go back, too. But, yeah, through the whole series run, the producers had to deal with, like, those same quality control issues because people kept trying to cut costs. And then eventually people were trying to change the tone of the series to something more child-friendly and, you know, trying to find a way to get toys to sell on the show, which is like, oh, you want to sell toys? Just keep doing the show. <laughs> Like that that seems like the easiest one. But that's a that's an interesting one right there, just the trying to make it child friendly because that was like one of the big things I feel about X Men was it was it wasn't afraid to just, you know, treat its audience as a mature group of people and just give you these stories. And we think about that a lot and that's why it's so funny to see now where uh, you know people will see like the regular show and Adventure Times and be like, oh, cartoons are so crazy now, and and then you know you know back in my it was like, what are you talking about? Like X Men was like a straight up, it was a whole show built around an allegory for racism, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I also think that what's funny about um, the X Men show, as far as how we metabolize it, is it, they are kind of teen problems. Yeah, you know what I mean. They're they're teen problems that that little kids were like trying to understand like there's a love triangle with the oh, yeah. Jean Grey and, and 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 Cyclops and Wolverine there's uh the, the flirtation between Gambit and uh and Rogue yes you know what I mean there's a lot of things that like teens also, would relate to yeah just that just to focus on that Gambit and Rogue too that's a very mature because you know you have the love triangle which is a mature relationship but nothing's more mature than I feel like that classic Rogue Gambit one because it's the situation of like even if they did want to 
pursue a relationship. They couldn't because Rogue's powers would murder Gambit. Well, I mean, and, and that's just as a kid when you're just learning about sex to be like, dang. I think they should have d- did that when like a uh, sex ed. You know, the, there's some women that'll take your soul. <laughs> some women. I know. That, that'd be the weirdest uh, sex ed where it's well, like. That'd be like a straight southern sex ed where they just blame it all on the woman. Oh, kind yeah. Of re- real Eve status stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And just, just real ruinous. But the bottom line is, like, it was a, a golden opportunity to trick kids into thinking that they're going to lose their powers if they, if they have premarital sex. Yes. <laughs> and they wasted it. They wasted it. Yeah, they it. wasted it. They could have done so much more. Of all the myths, you know what I'm saying? Marijuana's addictive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all these different myths they dropped on us. They could have did that one and maybe <laughs> saved some lives. So, as far as the show goes, they featured the X-Men with a 90s look. I feel like that's important to add because because mm. that is a very specific look, which ended up having that yellow suit Wolverine that hasn't went anywhere since yep. since the since it came in until like I, I liked brown suit brown suit Wolvie. Well, what, what was funny was uh, he he very very first came out in the yellow suit and it was almost like Daredevil's weird yellow suit. Where yeah, it's like, it's like this is so ugly and weird and these tiger stripes. You're not a tiger. You're a Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverines don't have weird tiger stripes. This whole thing doesn't make sense. You got blue gloves. Yeah, you know what I'm <laughs> like he just looks stupid. And then and then he kind of went to this really cool like a. Uh, uh, ninja paladin uh, muted color scheme with the brown and and, and, yes. and the yellow uh, or brown and the tawny <laughs> like a lion's color in the in the in the comic books and stuff. But yeah, by the time that Jim Lee started drawing it again, I mean Jim Lee can make any uniform look good. Oh yeah, and and you know he was like he was like no, nah, I like this weirdness. That's all about me. And Jim Lee, uh, he's he's phenomenal. He's well, the, his footprints. Uh, footprints. Uh, he's stepping all over these yeah. pages. <laughs> no, uh, uh, his his fingerprints are all over this. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because it definitely was kind of just borrowing from his era of X Men. And I I gotta say, being like a '90s kid, quote unquote, is. You you just love Jim Lee. It's all about the lines, you know. Oh man, lines on lines on lines. And the kids who are the kids like me who are really into like uh, I was really into inking, and I was like, yeah, man, you guys don't appreciate Scott Williams. <laughs> all those little tick marks, baby. It's like, give me more tick marks. Yeah, that, that means it's really there, even yeah. though it looks hella two D now. <laughs> when you look at certain stuff. Yeah, but Jim Lee's a genius. Don't get it twisted. But like, yeah, I, uh, Jim Lee even said when he was designing a couple toys. That it was revealed to him that he draws hella 2D. Yeah. Like he doesn't draw 3D. He draws 2D. He draws for a 2D medium. He's His arts D's have been... Uh, have you ever heard that story of how uh, Jim Lee, basically, his parents were uh, were uh, Korean, obviously, and his, his yeah. parents were like, yeah, man, uh, you're going to be a doctor and all that jazz. And he's like, oh, no, yeah. I'm not going to. And basically, he took, a, he took some years off of, of college, and he ran on the beach and drew comics all day. When he was running on the beach, he'd be like, burn. Miller, burn, Claremont, Miller, running like, like, like thinking of the type of person he was going to be in comics and, and yeah. get his body in shape to, and then he would sit for like 10 hours and draw comics and submit his packages and stuff. And that's how he got in. That's awesome. So like, yeah, to have his designs be that integral to the company that they, through a third party, you know what I'm saying? It's almost yeah. like through, through third party transmission, his design still lasted. That's some heavy duty stuff. Oh man. I mean, but that's that's what happens when you want it that bad, you know? Like you're just like yeah, I need this. So then you just become the best. But specifically what we're talking about in the Jim Lee era is uh the blue team, which 
I guess we can talk about the blue and the gold team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, which one was Colossus on? I look like a fake nerd right now, but uh, like, I, I, I loved I loved Colossus as anything. I loved him throwing people. Yeah. <laughs> that was my jam. Fastball special. Yeah. Yeah, I, that is going to be the gold team because the blue team is Cyclops' team, which had Wolverine, Rogue, Storm, Beast, Gambit, Jubilee, Jean Grey, and Professor X, as well as Morph. <laughs> 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 this this is on the show. Let me get the this is on the show. Let me get the actual blue team because I know Morph was not. We got to talk about Morph though. Morph oh, we're gonna talk about Morph uh, because that that is something. Even with the second not as popular animated series X Men Evolution, they had fun just adding a new character that everyone made fun of. And I remember in high school. This is that, yeah, because high school is when evolution came out. And the reason I remember is because I think it had to be like, it had to be like seventh or sixth grade. I was going in on, uh, on Spike, who was their made up character. And man, this teacher, I think it was like, I, I, I forget his name, but he looked like Eric Benet. And he got so mad. He was like, he was like, more Spike is actually a good character. And he's trying to tell me why. And I was like, look, of course you, who look like Eric Benet, is going to want to stand for the weirdo character. Oh, man, he's going to never listen to this. I was going to say, he's going to listen to this and be so mad. But I was like, why? I don't know. He was a nerd. So he might be like, oh. Well, he'd be he'd be very happy with how you turned out from a yeah, petulant yeah. little little jerk. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I guess you put that dork nerdiness to uh, good use. So yeah, so it was, it was that basically that blue team uh, who came through, and yes, Colossus was on the gold team. Uh, but you know, you're you're saying how much you hate Morph. We went into <laughs> it. We touched on it. With, uh, you know, how it was with Spike. Let's really jump into it after the break. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Mm-hmm. 
and welcome back to Nerdificent. That was, I think, that was the most uh, lax, you know, lead into that <laughs> break we've had. We were like, let's just do five outros. Uh, but yeah, back with Ed Greer, we're talking X-Men, the animated series. And, you know, they, they added one. So for the most part, the cast consisted of what was known as a blue team at the time. But we did go ahead and add an extra character based off of Changeling called Morph, which... <laughs> Well, you know, but you know what's interesting about that? I I do think that the X-Men, even Morph is something that is serious to X-Men lore because the X-Men really get off on the fact that, like, they can die. You know what I mean? Even though they've come back a bunch of times in the comic books, we're talking about the show, uh, but everybody knows how often they come back in the comic books. All of them seem to have been have been killed at some point and come back or been changed to little, <laughs> yes. little versions of themselves or something of that nature. But for the show, I think it is important to show in like a team setting that that yeah we're all a bunch of kids doing a bunch of highfalutin adventures and they're fun and all, but we can die. So they always put some extra person like James Proudstar in the original you know giant size I mean yeah giant size X Men, somebody that can die to show how dangerous the X Men situation is. And yeah. I think Morph is a another in a long line of X Men just like red shirts basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. What's so funny is, you know, I, I was just kind of looking up pictures of Morph 2 <laughs> to, to, to just look. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally did forget about this guy. And the first thing I find when I search is this Sci-Fi Wire article that's titled Why Morph Was the Best Character of the <laughs> X-Men Animated Series. Oh, God. Well, do, you know, clickbait reigns supreme. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That seems really clickbaity to me, like because everybody who clicks on that article wants to fight the person. <laughs> That's the move. That's how you do it. You know, like come fight me. So we were talking about X Men, and we were talking about how you know, kind of like teed off the the MCU, which is a good way to kind of. Uh, I like doing a callback into a segue because I might as well just force it because that's super force. <laughs> but I'm a callback into a segue. But when you were talking about how it was the beginning of the MCU. We, you, you, we did have some crossovers because we're talking about the Spider-Man series, the, how dope yeah. that song is. There were there was that crossover they had with the Spider-Man series. Where he had to like what Spider-Man had to pick teams to like yeah. do. Or he, first he needed some help with some mutations or something. Yeah. And then they had some kind of adventure where he had to pick pick a team of heroes and he picked Storm. Which you know what's what's great about that? If I if I might break into this. When you were a little kid looking at X Men, even in these in these shows, you always tried to identify one. It was like, you know, pick your turtle, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Type of style. And and so who who did you identify with? Like we're talking about just a show. Who was your who was your person where you're just like, ah, oh, on yeah. X Men? Yeah, little little if he's putting on a putting some knives in his hands or little I think it was Wolverine. Like that's <laughs> that's what's so funny about me, and I think that's why I go so hard on like Vegeta heads is because <laughs> uh, because like I was like the Wolverine character, and I feel like the same type of person who loves Wolverine is the same type of person who loves. Uh, Vegeta, because they're like, you know, he's like the bad dude, and he does what he wants, and he's mm. like edgy, and that's why I like him. <laughs> and and I I feel like that's the same thing for for Vegeta. Everyone's like, oh, he has like character pro- progression, you know, he's he, he, but really it's like he was bad and now he's good. That's mm-hmm. the character progression. Oh, he loves his daughter. That's a character progression. And then Goku's the dumb guy because he's like loves to fight and he's one note and goes, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's 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 written into that box. That's true. But like he always, 
I think the one thing everyone's like, oh, Goku, this, this, and it's and it's fun to have this conversation without uh, Danny here to interrupt and try and put her two cents in. But uh, I'll do it. I, I'll do it. Vegeta, Vegeta. <laughs> no, she'll have some good points. Oh, uh, she'll have some great points. Yeah, but they're but, about Vegeta. <laughs> yeah, they're all. She is such a Vegeta stand. I'm a Goku stand, but I just like the concept and the idea of like always giving someone a chance. Like, like, look, I don't want to have to body you. Like, we could be friends. <laughs> we can use this energy to be better, but, you know, I will if I have to. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as as far as far Wolverine, I think he was a, a big a big fan. Like I said, when I was a kid, I was a little chagrined that they didn't do some uh, a bunch of Colossus on the, on the X-Men oh, show. Because, yeah. like, that was my guy. Like, I, I just liked his purity of heart. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was, like, one of those characters, it was the first time I knew that I was rooting for somebody that I was not like. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I am not like that dude yeah. at all. I wish I was like that dude. I'm not like him at all. But on, on the team, I think the only person I think I just rooted against Gambit. Yeah. <laughs> as far as when I was watching oh, the show. Sh- yeah, I have to I take wanted- it back. I have to take it back. It wasn't Wolverine. I was a Gambit stand. I thought he was so cool. Like he always was getting the ladies. He was like, he, you know, he had those cards. He was like, look, I was, I was a huge Dude, Gambit. It looks stand. like if the Church Coat Mafia went to raves. <laughs> you know what? Look, I was all about it. And like I, I think I said this before, I was all about Gambit until he started getting bodied in Marvel vs. Capcom, and I was like, I gotta find a new fave. <laughs> One that, you know, because, you know, you want to, when you play a game like Marvel vs. Capcom, you're like, I want to pick my faves. And when your faves is getting bodied by everyone <laughs> else. Well, that, that's when I used to play with, a, uh, on a sports note, when I play 2K with, like, teams that aren't good right now, but I really like them. Yeah. Just, like, you learn all the tips and tricks, start beating people, and then they're just like, man, you're cheating. Yeah. And I just know my players, dog. <laughs> A fun fact about uh, the crossovers they were doing was the storyline where, like, the Beyonder and Madam Web are getting Spider-Man to lead, like, the heroes on an adventure, Mm -hmm. uh, which basically the one you were talking about with Storm. The reason they wanted it to have all the X-Men, but they didn't do it because transporting the cast to Los Angeles where Spider-Man was done from Canada was too expensive. So they had to, like, just pick... (laughs) You just see like them trying to get there. Also, trains, planes, automobile stuff, and they just making a bunch of like. <laughs> my flight's like. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, so they so they just got it. Uh, and and basically, Storm lived in Los Angeles, so it just was a no brainer. And Hulk oh, and the she- actress that played Storm. Yeah, <laughs> that's see, ill. Uh, and and Hulk and She Hulk, you know, they they were in the Incredible Hulk animated series, but because it was on uh the rival network UPN. They couldn't do a crossover. Oh, man. And I think this was before the underpaid Negroes era. <laughs> I or thought was it was the you, you People's Network. <laughs> oh, that's what you... <laughs> like, I always... Uh, my, my mom always called the underpaid Negroes. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the different different forms of humor about yeah. that yeah, <laughs> situation. I know. I know that UPN. Oh, man. The people who either never had UPN or didn't like grow up in the U.S., are going to be like, what? <laughs> what are they yeah, talking it, about? UPN? It was, it, it, was the, it was the CW before the CW. Yeah. It was, and imagine the CW, but it's all black sitcoms for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Homeboys in Outer Space. I'm just going to leave it right there. Oh, I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> homeboys in Outer Space. But as far as, as speaking of Homeboys in Outer Space, uh, it seems like the, the X-Men didn't go to space till like the third season. Yeah. It seems like they were they were kicking it on Earth for a little bit. Oh, yeah. And that's a you know that's something I get real hyped about, uh, and I think we mentioned it on a previous episode. The difference between like you know uh, street level uh, 
Marvel characters, your your world level Marvel characters, and then mm. your cosmic level. Right. And uh, and you know, if you did see this, you're probably one of the main people who got hyped at that end sneak peek at the end of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. because because that's that's really what introduced you know Gladiator when he came into the picture, and then we started getting some Phoenix stuff too. Yeah. Gosh. Well, and it, the and the thing is, I always loved when the X Men went to space. You you talked about that. Uh, street level slash you know Massachusetts level slash you know, Manhattan level slash world level, and then cosmic. The X Men to me were the first people from Earth to go into space and do major damage. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Uh, they they kind of went especially with the whole Shi'ar uh, Empire situation. You know, uh, uh, Professor X, uh, the girlfriend, <laughs> taking him to space and they having some space adventures, getting involved in her Empire adventures. All that kind of stuff really showed me that like. These guys each have like one power, but all together, <laughs> they're a cosmic entity almost. Like they, oh, yeah. can, they can have an effect on an interstellar war. They can. I think that's the whole thing about the X Men that a lot of people keyed on was like, especially like loners like me. I was like, damn, I wish I had a squad. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, and you're right because like it it was the thing where their powers were kind of immense and oftentimes written to be weaker than what, like, on paper they actually are. Like, if you look oh, at Oh, that's someone, the X-Men classic conversation. Like, no, okay, now Omega-level Gambit. Yeah, like, um, like, yeah. which one of the things, too, that people, like, sleep on is that Iceman is an Omega-level mutant. Like, oh, it's so, yeah. And I feel like Iceman got a lot of crap for some time where he's like, oh, he's just, dude, he could do the ice. And he was like, well, he can literally turn the atmosphere to ice. Like, that's how strong he is. But they never explore that. Except they did have one comic where they have to kill Iceman, I think, because he uh, goes bad. Yeah, like, and it's, it's super hard. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, as far as, the, as far as the X-Men goes, I mean, each of their powers, I like the fact that, like, when they break them up into factions or they make, make them into sub-teams, part of... I think Professor X would really like to play Madden or, or Clash of Clans or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I think he'd really love that type of stuff because he's like, all right, I got my tank. I got this guy. I got, you know, I got, I got yeah. Wolverine to get shot up, a beast to jump around, <laughs> like House of Pain. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting that, like, the X-Men's whole style throughout the series and the comic books and everything, they take on things that could beat up a whole team. I think that's also interesting. Yeah. They hardly ever run into some sort of uh they run into teams a lot, but they'll often just run into some dude. Like yeah. Magneto, I'll take y'all all out. Juggernaut, I'll take y'all all out. Oh yeah. And I think it is the funny perfect beef of like Wolverine's hate for Magneto where it's like, Oh, you wanna fight the one dude who <laughs> can body you easily. <laughs> like the one dude. It was like it would be if like Superman wanted to fight Kryptonite Man all the time. <laughs> it's like this is the one guy who like really has no problem with you, but that's the guy you want to just go wild oh, on. Oh, dude, that but that's Wolverine's personality so much. It's like he's always trying to fight. Basically, you're trying to mack on the girl who can hear your thoughts, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're trying to take her from a dude who could blast you from hella far away. You got you short. You got short arms. <laughs> you, your arms too short to box the Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he's yeah. just he's just he's he's a runt to the core, which yeah. is why I kind of do like Wolverine. And I think that's why a lot of people like him though, because he is like almost this underdog who is like his 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 superpower amongst being like, you know, an adamantium 
coated claw guy, <laughs> which is like, let's let's just reverse it back because like a lot of people oftentimes mistakenly say like, oh, Wolverine's power is adamantium claws. It's like, no, his power is bone claws and regeneration. Yeah. They were coated in adamantium. And that's your, um, actually, you can take with you to work <laughs> and drop well, anywhere you like. Also, they're not a power because there, there's been several times when Wolverine has been bound or, or some sort of situation where they turned off his mutant powers and he just pops his claws. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, and which was hilarious though, because uh, if, you, if somebody wanted to, well, actually trace Busta Busta you yeah. uh, on that, it's like... Back in my day, when I was a kid, it seemed like they had they were supposedly in bionic housings. Okay. In his forearms that make him pop out, and that's why they would always work. But if you nullified somebody's mutant abilities, could that limit them from tensing their muscles or yeah. whatever that would pop out the claws? Nerd talk. Yeah. But like, but yeah, you know what I mean. There's all that kind of stuff that you get into with Wolverine and with uh, I I, I used to love when they would have um um Storm fight people because like if you think about it, yeah, she's powerful like Iceman. Yeah. There's so much stuff that you can oh, do. She's the magnetic a, she's poles. A, yeah, she's a goddess. You know, she controls the weather, and that is one of those things that, you know, where you write an open book, there's so much you can do with it, and so much that probably hasn't even been explored yet with the ability to control the weather, period. Yeah, and uh, the responsibility they're in. Like, I, I, does she feel bad with, like, hurricanes happen? I know. Like, like she's yeah. like, I, you could have stopped that. You, t- you took a nap. <laughs> Why were you taking a nap? Now, and and I love how they explore. Uh, even in the series, they explore a little bit about her. Her powers are are uh, linked to her emotions, so that when she gets in a bad mood, like in comic books, I, I love how sometimes she'll make a little baby storm to like water a plant. Yeah, so, you know, just a little, a little tiny thunderstorm with lightning and everything to uh, to water a plant or something, showing how fine her control is. But in the show, in the TV series, um, it seems like they're more tied to her emotions. You could get her flustered, and then all of a sudden the skies get dark. Yeah. But let's just kind of bounce around and, like, talk about the things that are coming. Because, you know, in like you said, in the third season they went cosmic, and that's kind of when they started introducing a little bit of the, you know, you had the whole uh, Phoenix thing. But I think we should reverse just a little bit and talk about the cast of characters so because surprisingly we didn't talk about that because i feel like it's weird when you do when we do a nerdificent on things like this that are so in the zeitgeist that it's like oh yeah everyone kind of knows every x-men but let's just do it and we can talk about how we feel about each of them okay uh first up and foremost cyclops uh he was the sucks i'm sorry (laughs) no we'll get into this because i i'm the We'll, we'll get into this because I've had an interesting relationship with Cyclops. So Cyclops, a.k.a. Scott Summers, he was voiced by Norm Spencer, and he was basically the second in command of the X-Men. You know, obviously, Professor X being the top dog, he can fire a concussive blast from his eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Concussion, inj- not heat. Yeah. They're bastards out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's concussive. Yeah, not heat. You're not burning. And he and Jean Grey are in a relationship, and apparently at the end of the fourth season, they get married uh, when Apocalypse has been, you know, doing this dirty work. I, for the longest, was not the biggest fan of Cyclops. I never liked him, and it was, it's kind of like my roles were reversed in X-Men, where like, Mm. you know, I... Did not like how goody two shoes Cyclops was. <laughs> he was the teacher's pet. He was, un- you know, I, I, like just something about that really 
made me dislike him. And the only time I started liking Cyclops, and this is going to step out of the show and onto the page a little more, mm. was uh, during uh, once we got towards um, Avengers versus X-Men. Because I really like his whole... so His militant period. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> like that at all. Actually, I think I started to like him once we got to Avengers versus X-Men uh, Cyclops because I felt like he finally was stepping up to the plate as a leader and to, because it just always felt like you know I think the best description is right here second in command mm. he never took initiative and I felt he was so emotional and there were so much things he wished he could do and this that and the other and he just never followed through with it so huh. well I mean I, I think I think what, what's interesting about him is it takes a lot to be the leader character and I think that's one of the things that uh, is interesting about screenwriting is most people's uh, original screenplays the main character is super flawless. Nobody has to tell them nothing. Each of the characters, everybody, all the characters know everything that everybody's about to say, and the conversations just flow like butter. Yeah, you know. And there's there's the, there's a distinct lack of conflict. There's all these different things, and and like they'll, they'll be they'll never be a character. I I always had trouble writing the character that goes, "Damn, Blade, that was tight what you did." Yeah. Like I I always hated writing that character, but yeah. you need that character in fiction. There's got to be somebody that does the moment for the audience to go. That's Michael Pena reacting to Ant Man. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's really hard to write that character, and conversely, it's hard to write the character that goes Wolverine. You shouldn't go do that. Stay back at the, the thing. Wow, well, nah, Bob. I'm gonna go. You know what I mean? Yeah. The guy who's constantly telling people that they can't do stuff. The the kind of Yoda character. They're supposed to be so damn smart, but all their advice sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's a hard character to write. But also, it's 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 understandable. You know, this is you know me older and you know, having to take leadership on certain issues. You don't necessarily not want to go. I think the most recent kind of element of this was uh, in Destiny Two. The Forsaken uh, storyline, which <laughs> you know the the expansion was built off this, so this isn't a spoiler. But when Cade Six dies and uh, Ikora mm. and the main character want to get revenge, uh, it's uh, Zavala, the Titan Guardian, is like, "Yo, we shouldn't do that. We have to protect the whole universe. We don't have time to go into petty revenge fights." And huh. everyone hated him for it. Everyone was like. This guy sucks. Zavala, he doesn't want. And it's like, I get why you're mad, but that is, he is right. <laughs> he's like, yeah. is, he is like, we, our whole home base, the start of the expansion was it almost got destroyed. We were almost wiped out. So I can see why, from a leadership position, you can't advise someone to go do it. But if they go behind your back and do it, you're not going to be mad at them. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's, it's always there's it's always sucks to be the guy who's going like we can't expend those resources yeah. or, or whatever. That always is a sucky guy in movies and stuff. But uh, it, it, if anybody wants a, a story about Cyclops where he's actually cool, just look at Josh Whedon's run. He does a really, really good job of repurposing that whole legend of him just basically being bequeathed the leadership role. Because he had such little confidence that Professor X was like, if this was ever going to do anything, I got to let, I got to make him the leader. Because yeah. he sucks otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just him been putting that in that role. And then there are certain uh, things in the Josh Whedon run that show you that Cyclops is really smart, really manipulative, and very, very, very powerful when he when he when he lets loose. And I think it's it's just sad that it came that late. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So so many people kind of did write him as a stick in the mud, including in the show. But he does get the girl. So you yeah, know. yeah. So so that was this trade off. Yeah, I think it was in in Schism where I really where you really kind of see 
the because I, I forget what came, the timeline of those comics. So there was schism that happened that basically split the X Men up into Wolverines X Men and Cyclops X Men, and then yeah. there was X Men versus the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers because all the X Men get like uh, Phoenix Force basically yeah. and become like a big gang, like Ooh. almost like what what that section of Marvel Comics was like was like uh, the late nineties uh, the Authority. They they there were these super powerful Wildstorm characters who basically ran their world. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. This does make sense. And so yeah, schism happened first, and that's when I really was anti Scott. I was like, oh, this guy's whack. Yada yada yada. And then the Avengers versus X Men, and they get the Phoenix Force. Was it was pretty. It was it was pretty hard. Like I I was against him, but I really respect the stance he took. And then they became the Phoenix Force, and that was wild. Uh, That was that's a good read. The Phoenix Squidward. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, and so yeah, he was the leader that was kind of a stick in the mud. Then Wolverine, who everybody loved, yeah, yeah, everybody loves Wolverine because he's a, he's the he's a bad dude. He rides motorcycles, yeah, AKA Logan. Uh, Anybody who's ever had a skin knee wanted to be Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Wolverine was voiced by Cathal J. Dodd. He's a mutant with regenerative healing factor. Heightened senses and adamantium laced skeleton that render his bones virtually indestructible and retractable claws capable of cutting virtually anything. He was attracted to Jean, but decided not to come between her and Scott after many attempts of coming in between her and Scott. That's the funniest part about that character description. It's like, uh, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I stopped attempting to bang supermodel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, no. I, you never had a chance. You never got close. What are you, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, all right, I'm done. You, you, I guess you could have, but I think, you know, the more I think about it, I can totally see why Wolverine's so popular and why I might've hated, uh, Scott so much. Because Cyclops was the jock. He was the leader. Mm. He was the goody. He was the teacher's pet. He was jacked. He had the girl. And he had this guy, Wolverine, who everyone kind of looked down upon, didn't trust. He, mm. you know, he, he had this dark past. You know, he, yeah, he Wolverine was an other in a group of others. Right. That's interesting. And it, 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 they did treat him like, like a shelter pet. Yeah. And he was significantly older than everybody. I think that's something that is very lost on people understanding the, the, the you know what I mean? Like yeah. most of the time you think of Wolverine as just like a hairy version of these kids, but like, it's like 200 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's kicking it with these kids and trying to like learn. And it, he's like, he's in community college, dog. Yeah. Like, he's in straight community college with powers. And he's chilling out in here. And all these dumb kids, are all, all these pheromones are going around. And he's like, yeah, I want to get in on this. But like, <laughs> you're 200, dog. Yeah. <laughs> like, chill out. <laughs> then we have Rogue. And uh, she possesses the uncontrollable ability to absorb memories, powers, and energy of whoever she touches. But if Rogue holds on to someone too long, their consciousness will be trapped in her subconscious. And she has permanently absorbed the superhero strength, durability, and flight of Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel left uh, was left comatose because of this. I think I missed that whole like explanation. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was way back in the days for uh, for comics fans. That was like a so. Long was this time something ago. that happened off the show? Oh yeah, and they kind uh, well, of and I think I think they might have referenced it a little bit uh in, in some way to t- kind of see how that she did that. But like Rogue's regular powers are pretty. Like I'm just walking around. I'm, Can you? And imagine <laughs> if the Miss Marvel movie comes out, the Fox deal went through, everything's good. We introduce the X Men and they use the, 
they use that storyline and then Brie Larson is one and done in the movie because they're like, oh, she's in comatose now. Rogue has her powers. Fans would be so mad. Or cut cut to the pager in her hospital bed just shaking uncontrollably. Yeah, yeah. And then like, but then it's picked up by Rogue. Like, can you, oh, fans would be so confused. Can you oh, imagine yeah. if like, if that was the end where like it's picked up by, because you'd be excited because it's the X-Men, but you'd be mad because you lost Miss Marvel. I'll do, I mean, I think we're. I think we could see a cool do-over where you could see that actual storyline come in. You know, when they when they get their stuff together and get get other properties to 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 get along. Yeah, we could see a lot of these things. I I liked Rogue because she was always the person who, uh, out of these X Men, besides like I maybe say Nightcrawler, and he wasn't really uh, on the show, but like uh, besides Nightcrawler. The one whose powers suck the most, like messed their life up. Yeah, you know, because you know, with with Scott Summers, yes, you got to wear glasses all the time, even in the shower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you gotta that's wear- so true. We never talk about that. Even in the shower, you got to wear those glasses, <laughs> or you blast in a hole in your shower. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you have to. So, but for the most part, these people didn't show any ill effects for their powers. But she was unable to literally touch people, and we we really really discount how important that is yeah oh man that's so true but i still don't think she has the power that sucks the most and i think it's never addressed and i i would love it jubilee can only shoot fireworks (laughs) i don't know how we've like let this go long enough and i'm gonna just save the roast till we get to her because i'm gonna read her power what they have the description because i never read the description i'm gonna scoff at it and then go into this rant that i'm getting ready to grow Oh, and let's give credit to uh, Lenore Zahn. She yes, played Rogue. She, uh, she was, played Rogue yeah. in, the, in the thing. So, all right, you want to do Storm? Yeah, yeah. Storm uh, Aurora Monroe, uh, Ayanna Morris, who we mentioned earlier, uh, in 1992 to 93, and Allison Seeley Smith from 93 to 97. She's able to control the weather, like we said before, basically a goddess. She's second in command of the X-Men. Uh, and that that's all, always been something cool that – has not been explored, but also something to complain about. Like, it seems like Storm is older than uh, Scott, yet yet she can't get full control of the team. Why are we giving it to this dude, Scott? Storm is much more capable. Well, you know, you know who would be... Uh, it'd be interesting to see them... In the comic books, they do have a real battle yeah. over control. But I'll tell you who has control right now. This ad break. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. Come. 
Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And welcome back. Ed hit me with that sneak ad break. <laughs> He's right. We're back. Me and Ed Greer. We're going to close out. We're going to say, go through the rest of these characters, talk about the arcs, and then close it out for y'all. I hope you're having fun because we definitely are. Because we, we can't believe we didn't even do all these characters. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about Storm, Aurora Monroe. She controls the weather. She, uh, you know, like we were saying, she's basically... Yeah, there has been this thing where she's kind of been like the other leader and honestly more capable than Scott. And there has been runs where they did have like a fight for power and she kind of like led. They, there were a few comics where she had her own team and ran off. And then what was the one where it was all women? And I think Storm led that squad. You remember I that? I think that was all new, all different X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about about her is they do give her a little, a few weaknesses like a claustrophobia, yeah, and uh, bad taste in dudes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you are you are you trying to come at my man T'Challa? Uh, you know what? They not married is all I'm saying. <laughs> look, <laughs> it didn't look, last. She, that, that's the real Eric Benet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that that made me so mad when they broke them up there was no reason like like dang I, I was so salty in comics around that time because they canceled black panther they broke up aurora and because that was over the avengers versus x-men speaking mm-hmm. of which that's when they broke up and yep. i was so pissed i would I, and and they did not retcon it they did not get them back together they're just not together yeah yeah i'm it, but it always I, I don't know man i i, I liked it enough but I also thought it was like, you know, your two black nerd friends at the party <laughs> meet each other. <laughs> and go, I was down for it. Two, 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 two pieces of African royalty. I was like, I'm here for it. You can tell, you can tell who's the African in the room right now. Because I was like, yes, let's well, yeah, go. I, well, the, no, you're, you're you're right that that was the, it, it wasn't it wasn't Luke Cage and Storm. Yeah, it, it, it was, was it was a child and Storm. So there's a. There's a graduated Africanist. <laughs> graduated Africanist. So then we have uh, Beast, who I think is uh, probably one of the more popular X-Men outside of like your Uges, uh, which is Dr. Henry Hank McCoy, which was voiced by George Booza. And basically his mutation, I mean, like, <laughs> like he got hairy. <laughs> And he got superhuman strength and agility, but really, <laughs> it felt like his because he wasn't like out here tossing tossing stuff, you know. Like well, he yeah. didn't feel like he had superhuman strength. He well, felt like he had like the superhuman strength of like the dude who plays the mountain on Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like he's a power, li- like he's he's as strong of, as a power lifter, not necessarily. And he can like read upside down. Like that was his big thing that they loved. They loved having scenes where they walked in on him reading upside down like that. Why would you do that? That would I don't see that being comfortable, even if you're a mutant. Uh, well, his his superpower was blood did not rush to his head. <laughs> so he could just kick it upside down all day. That's a secondary mutation. He would just always be upside down. Like that that that's when you know, like you're like, how are we gonna show that this dude different? <laughs> yep, yep. That the animators that's their go to. Oh. Uh but as, one thing about uh McCoy that I thought was interesting was like it is interesting how most of the smart characters are always like jump around dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Captain America is supposed to be super smart. T'Challa is yeah. supposed to be super smart. Uh, definitely there are, they both are very super smart, but the bottom line, they're supposed to be, that's part of their power. That's part yeah. of their set. And, uh, but there always are guys who have to jump around and dodge. It's like, they almost never make a, besides maybe at the blue Marvel, yeah. which is a whole other conversation, but dudes that are smart and super powerful. Yeah. You know, Cause even like, Thor is a dumbass. Oh yeah, which he's, is a charming thing about him. Yeah, no, no question. But like, or, he's not doing calculus. Yeah, he, he, he's definitely not doing that. That is funny. Where it is that kind of like, oh, we can't have you be smart and buff. That's too much. Right. So they kind broken. of nerf your powers yeah. a little bit. So like all the, the smart characters. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that was interesting that they, they used a little bit of his science stuff. Like uh, obviously there has to be some guy to fix the jet. Yeah, the movies really put him on jet fixing duty. <laughs> yeah, that's you got the big, super strong blue guy. What are you doing? He fixing the jet. Yeah, <laughs> just a mechanic. Uh, yeah, and he spent like the most of the first season in prison because he was trying to destroy the government records for registered mutants, uh, and that that was funny because there was this cool blue dude, and you didn't even get to see him in action like that because he was locked up. Yeah, well, trapped in the cell. You can't do flips. <laughs> That's the real tragedy. There's no room to flip in here. <laughs> well, here's a fun fact. Uh, Booza, who voiced uh, Hank McCoy, actually appeared in the 2000 live action film uh, playing a truck driver at the start of the film. So he yeah. got a, yeah, he was able to come back like, yo, what's good? <laughs> so then we got my boy uh, and someone that Ed does not care for, Gambit, Remy LeBeau. Voiced by Chris Potter from 1992 to 96 and Tony Daniels in 1997. He can charge any object with explosive energy and just toss them. That's that's his power. Uh, They only explode once he lets go of the object. And he also wields a staff for close combat. (laughs) Which... Which, and he used playing cards. You know, I don't know why you would use cards like that. That feels like he's like, oh, I took a magic class and I really got to get my money's worth. Well, uh, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Aaron Rand Powell, who was on here the last time I was on here. And yeah. he was like, uh, that's the type of thing you do when you're in jail. Yeah. Like, that's a jail skill. <laughs> you just throw, throw hats in a card over and over again. And the, I mean, <laughs> cards in a hat over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that, that seems. And he was a thief. So there you go. Well, that, that's he's also one of those characters that they never really explore like that because like for a while like that was his thing he would just throw these charge cards he would throw these charge cards you would never see him like walk up to someone and charge like he technically was a brutal he could he could walk up to someone charge them and 
blow them up. Like he right. could blow people up with his hands, right. but he chooses yeah. to throw these weak cards. Yeah, he he could be Blastar, but he chooses to jump around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, but I, and I should have liked them because I love me a jump around character. Daredevil, yeah. <laughs> Spider Man, those are my mans. They they do it. The, the jumping around. I yeah. even like McCoy a little bit, but uh, just I just think his and jumping around is inferior. <laughs> but but you know the bottom line is I should have liked him. Yeah, but it just didn't get over on me, and I think I'm just that little bit older than you to where they sold me Wolverine as the ultimate, and they had like a a, a, a danger room scene where where Ribbon the Bow comes in, uh, Gambit comes in and challenges Wolverine to like a fight, and he smacks up Wolverine. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. Check please. <laughs> I'm a little kid. Talk about check please. I, ch- I chucked that comic into a fan. I think, <laughs> I think it was an annual. I chucked that into a fan. You're like I'm good. <laughs> What was cool, too, about Chris Potter, who was voicing him, he was actually filming Kung Fu, The Legend of Con- uh, the Legend Continues in Toronto. And he was unfamiliar with the X-Men, but David Carradine, who was his co-star, was a big fan of the comics. So he was like, all right, I guess I'll do it if my man Dave's about it. <laughs> Fun, Even funner fact, so you, we know he's an actor, he actually auditioned for the role of Cyclops in uh, the year 2000, which makes you wonder how different his career would be now if he actually nailed that role you know i don't it, it wasn't i'm not trying to diss i'm just saying i feel like that kind of sounds like a diss when you say it like like how different would your career be now he's 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 doing well i didn't know he was also in queer as folk i used to like love that show okay. oh, i did not know that yeah I, I watched it religiously because it was like my first like adult show when i was right. growing up like when was it out? From 2000 to 2005. So, yeah, my high school years. And I was like, okay, cool. Of course, you know, they showed boobs. So that was like the <laughs> other thing. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Um, <laughs> well, now we get to your girl. Jubilation Lee. Come on. Uh, voiced by Allison Court. And, Come on. And she was the newest and youngest member of the X-Men. Come on. <laughs> and she's close to Wolverine. Uh, she's still getting used to her powers, which are the ability to generate firework-like explosions. Allison Court, what? What? <laughs> Allison Court and Cathal Dodd uh, had been neighbors when Court was still a child, and Dodd was already known as an actor in Canada. And uh, yeah, she attributes her character's chemistry uh, to them, you know, being acquainted before. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty dope. They say firework-like explosions, but you <laughs> never see it do any damage. Literally, anytime she uses it, someone is like, ah, well, <laughs> like it, my eyes. It, in the comic books, they did have one. Uh, they, they went to like Matapur or or yeah. Japan or some. Which, way. by the way, if you don't know, Matapur is a fictional like. It, is it a country or a city? It's, it's like it's like a it's like a crime island. Yeah, in in <laughs> X Men, where you when when they're there, you're like, oh. We yep. up to no good. And and Wolverine will be definitely involved. And so <laughs> so basically some bad stuff happened with the Mandarin or some jazz. They were trying to make like Jubilee into like a weird geisha or something, like trying to weird yeah. mind transformer or something. And she spazzed out and uh blew up the whole like villa that they were in with a, a immense show of power. But Chris Claremont was really good for that. Like every fifty issues, that somebody would do something way beyond their powers. She'd be like, "Damn, <laughs> that's my favorite person, boy." Yeah. I mean, you never like you never saw like they say firework like explosions, but if you watch the show, they just look like fireworks. <laughs> period. Full stop. Hey like, man, let me throw a bunch of M eighties at your face. <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't popping like M eighties. They're popping like sparklers. Where it's like, ah, stop. Out my face, like that's what it seemed. She looked like she was mildly inconveniencing someone. I think it also, 
it also comes with the fact that you you're you're you got the dude who is exploding playing cards. You got someone controlling the weather. A guy with knives coming out of his fist. Someone, no, a woman who could suck the life out of someone just by touching them. A guy shooting concussive blast out of his eyes. And what is she doing? Fireworks. And it had that cheesy sound. As a matter of fact, I'm glad we plugged in. Um, Let's let, let me see if you can, if we can get that uh that, that that sound effect that would play when she did it. Someone did a compilation of all of Jubilee's scenes, which what? Wrong with being a mutant anyway. No. Okay, so in that scene, she blew up an arcade machine, the most damage I've seen her done in history. All right, here's her versus the Sentinel. Perfect. <laughs> Look, just listen to the sound, and I'm going to describe what happened. She's putting her hands up. She, oh, look, hold on. We got to just do the full breakdown. Also, this is what Jubilee wore for some reason. She wore a raincoat. <laughs> some short shorts, some knee-high boots, a neon shirt, and some Bret Hart glasses. That was the coolest thing about her is that for some reason she was rocking the Bret Hart glasses. Well, she was, she was definitely a product of the 90s. Let's what? just say that. Look, we, we're far enough along because I didn't say nothing for a long time because, you know, as another person of color in this small, <laughs> heavily white cast, I didn't want to drag her like this. But we, we're past this. We, we, we've, you know, we've introduced so many better X-Men who are people of color. We, the Hulk is Asian. I can finally drag <laughs> Jubilee for how trash she was and why they didn't make her powers better. And anything, I'm not mad at Jubilee. I'm mad at the creators for this. So what just happened, that sound was her fireworks that looked like fireworks. And actually in that scene, the Sentinel just put his hands up and it did nothing. (laughs) And just, it was almost like the video was like, don't worry, this is to prove everyone right when they're dragging Jubilee. And then here's this scene. I actually do remember this and I still don't get it till this day. It's been almost 20 years and I still don't get this. I hope it keeps those slime balls. So she used her firework to just pop off metal. Because it was when, you remember that scene where she's like captured and she's like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, the inconsistencies. Oh. Well, I mean, like I There's said. There's going to be some Jubilee I think stands like who are going to come think, for me. I think they're like M100s. <laughs> and the last thing that I'm going that, that to come for is this name. Jubilation Lee. And then it's Jubilee. Like it's just like it's very obvious you came up with Jubilee first, and lucky for her she doesn't get the worst name ever. That still goes to Black Bolt, whose real name. Do you know Black Bolt's real name? Just say it. Oh God. Black Agar (laughs) Boltigan. What? Come on, this is this is that's when you could tell. Oh, you you were you came in early. You came. Hey, what's up, Luca Don Cajunstein? <laughs> what's up, Cyan Klops Smith? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty brutal. Okay, so we're gonna get to the uh, the I, who I think are the almost king and queen. Oh, one hundred percent. So the next person we're gonna talk about is literally so broken that they've killed her off for a year until they realize they can go back and introduce the younger version of herself and retcon from there. And that person is Jean Grey, who eventually became Phoenix, who was voiced by Katherine Disher. She's a telekinetic and a telepath. She's in a relationship with Cyclops, weak mm-hmm. but, and they marry at the end of the fourth season when she's captured by Apocalypse in a time-space continuum. And Disher... Had originally auditioned for the part of Storm, 
and didn't get it. <laughs> she was like, I'll do Gene. Um, Gene Gray is is cool because, you know, in every instance of Gene Gray I've seen, uh, she's kind of been, you know, they, they've given like Storm and Cyclops like second in command, but really, and I call Cyclops the teacher's pet, but really Gene is Professor X's star student. And yeah. I think it's because they kind of share the same power and he recognizes that she can she she's that she's that woman. She can yeah. like do whatever. And he's like, You're gonna surpass me one day. Little did he know she was gonna be uh even crazier. Well yeah, and I think what's interesting about her is she for all her teacher's petness, they they kind of have her be also a little bit uh rebellious because of the fact that like there are other forces that are trying to give her tutelage that aren't Professor X. Yeah. It seems like that's always happening to her or her clone. We won't get into that. But like when it, whenever she's in there, there's always something trying to whisper in her ear. And yeah. I think they, they show it as the, the Phoenix Force. Like, oh, come on, baby. You could be super powerful. You could rip up the planet. And uh, he's just like, I'm just trying to teach you how to balance stuff, <laughs> you know, and uh, make you guys uh, not look for these droids. I'm just, I'm just trying to teach her this stuff. And she's this Omega level thing that he has to almost wrangle. Yeah. And then we're going to close out. With Professor X, who is, uh, you know, everyone knows him. He's the dude in the wheelchair. <laughs> Professor X, Charles Xavier, Ced- who was voiced by Cedric Smith. And he's the founder and the leader of the X-Men and a powerful telepath and an analogy for Martin Luther King, uh, which <laughs> which you only understand when you meet Magneto, the allegory for Malcolm X. Uh, yep. But throughout the series, he fights for mutant rights while teaching his students the importance of never giving in to temptation or lose sight of what really matters, and to be patient and uh, when uh, when 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 over the humans through respect uh, respectability politics, which you know you can be woke and mad about it, but the fact that it never works in the history of X Men, you you can just be like, well, we know <laughs> X Men tried to tell you it don't work. <laughs> I tried to told you <laughs> it don't work, Professor X. All this time been trying, it don't work. Well, I mean, it's also just the whole the whole allegory. Not to get too heavy, but you know, they'll kill you if you wear a suit too. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that that's kind of uh, his whole thing. He's so presentable. There's so many early X Men adventures where he like calls up the White House, or the White House talks to him. And he says, "Yeah, I'm gonna send an X Men. We're gonna do some stuff with the president. Is friendly with him and stuff." They kind of threw that out yeah. the window because it was like. Martin Luther King didn't have the presidency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He still was. Uh, well, I mean, uh, if you see the movie Selma, you'll see that uh, they were on the phone back and forth. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, no, but, no, 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 no. I, I was just, I was agreeing with you. I don't know if, I think that was one of the criticisms of Selma is that like, he's like literally on the phone with like Lyndon B. Johnson and people are like, what? <laughs> yeah, because like I said, if, if that's beyond my knowledge that that, that 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 all happened. But you know, the bottom line is he's the he's the good one. And even the good ones get a bunch of violent sanctions and sentinels busting down your door. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really pay to be a good one sometimes. And uh, and I think he finds that out over the course of time, which is why he, when when Cyclops becomes more Malcolm X later in the comic books, especially, it's a weird friction. Yeah, we looked them. it up. We went and fact checked. Uh, this is nerdificent, not wokeificent, so we're not <laughs> going to be a hundred percent. But yeah, no, uh, there's a photo op of LBJ with Martin Luther King. I'm sorry, Ava, I should have believed you. Uh, don't drag me. I love you. I promise you, I love you. But uh, I just—I just, think it's a testament to our generation not believing anything nice like that could ever. Yeah, happen. yeah, I know, and, right? And, and, and or and at least we didn't put it down as just a Photoshop. A photo I know. Op. <laughs>
Because, you know, James uh, Brown kicked it with Nixon, too. I mean, yeah. I don't really, I don't really know. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It, look, it's been a long week. We're going off the rails. I'm going to talk about there. there's some fave episodes, but there's one I really want to land on because I think we can talk about it. And I can like, I like we'll we'll say our favorite or most remembered episodes, and then we'll close it out like that. But the one that I want to just talk about, um, because it's on this list that that uh, comicbook.com put together as favorite episodes. But I want to talk about it from my perspective. And now that we gave you the the, the lowdown, we can just talk a little more freely. Is uh, the Night of the Sentinels? It was probably going to be on everyone's list. It was the pilot episode and what happens in this episode is uh, professor x is they basically go to pick up jubilee Mm -hmm. from her family because the sentinels are on the loose and they're trying to get rid of mutants and that's pretty much a running thing in x-men is the sentinels come out and they tear stuff up uh sentinels come out at night (laughs) and it was it, it was like a a1 pilot because any pilot where you're adding someone new to something is just the perfect writing device because now mm-hmm. you have to introduce all of these people to this one person, mm-hmm. which in turn introduces the audience to all these people. But also you're getting the reality of everything at stake because not only is this new person coming to the team and they're just introducing it, they're explaining to Jubilee's parents why she should go off with this weird man in a wheelchair and and like leave her family because she's not safe. She's at risk. She started showing signs of mutant powers right. and and it just kind of it's it's almost like a perfect pilot for a show like this to lay the groundwork of the world and what's uh, what's at stake, who's on the team, and uh, you know if if you were gonna check out an episode, I'd say check that out. They were giving it out. There was a deal on Pizza Hut when they were giving out X Men Pogs <laughs> where they gave out a VHS with that. I wonder if it's still at my dad's house. I have that. <laughs> Oh, that's that's excellent, and they. I also think if we're going in episodes, um, the episode where they um introduce Magneto. Oh yeah, I think it's really interesting to introduce to kids the concept of somebody who like hates people. Yeah, you know what I mean, and 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 hates humans. Like the concept of like basically racism. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, and his his racism, his being the hate that hate produced. Yeah, let's not get it twisted. Yeah, you know what I mean. His hate is the hate that hate produced, and to have little kids seeing that. And knowing that that's a real thing, yeah, that was very interesting to me. Oh man, oh. Yeah. And we could talk a billion years about Magneto, but the bottom line is Magneto in the series was very much like he is in the comic books. There's always that relationship with with Xavier. There's the Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X aspect, but there's also just the only thing I only thing I have a beef with with X Men uh, at all is the expediency and the brutality that Magneto is almost always willing to work with. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that that was Malcolm X at all. I mean, yeah. you, you see he died a man of peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that part was a little bit like, you know, mm-hmm. but but of course, uh, calling him uh, the uh, the mutant uh, honorable Elijah Muhammad <laughs> doesn't quite sell. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a little bit too much of a deep cut, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like Rogue because she's half a man age plus seven. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, oh my god, no one's gonna get that. But anyway, the bo- the bottom line is Magneto in the series was very cool, and they they did end up touching on iconic uh, storylines like like the Phoenix Saga, which we touched on earlier, uh, and even Days of the Future Past. They had like, yeah, they had like uh, Bishop playing that like Kitty Pride from the movie mm-hmm. and Kitty Pride uh, Wolverine from the movie, Kitty Pride from the actual comic books. They transposed those characters and just made it into uh, Bishop 
yeah. who comes back to kind of tell the the X-Men, hey, man, you're messing up. Look at this M on my face, dog. Things, yeah. were, things were horrible. Which I love Bishop. Bishop was tight because he had a perm, a bandana, <laughs> and a big gun. And I was all about it. I was like, I've, I've been waiting for that cosplay. I need to do a Bishop all this time. Well, dude, I, I have a challenge for you. Look up the Joe Jusco, uh, and people at home, look up the Joe Jusco Marvel card series pictures of, of Bishop. I want you to cosplay as that bishop, not Will Spertatio, scratchy lion bishop, not not the one that Larry Strowman do, drew in a limited series, not any of that stuff. That particular tight pants, <laughs> Joe Jesco, muscle muscle bound uh, bishop. I challenge you to cosplay as. Are that. we talking about this one right here? Uh, yeah. Well, but like the more painted ones. But yeah, okay. the, yeah. But like that style though. We got you got the bandana on and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's the. You know, that's the one I was trying to do. <laughs> yeah. You, it, you just you look like a prince. Controversy. <laughs> 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 or like the barge. He looked like he looked like the barge from the future. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Okay. Um. Look, we got to get out of here. It's been fun. We've been going for a long time, uh. But we've been having fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh. You know, I hope all the Fernies aren't too hot that you know Danny hasn't been able to make it. But she'll be back soon. Until then, we'll have our friend Ed hang out. How's that sound? Yay. Uh. <laughs> uh but yeah. Uh. Where can people find you, Ed? Oh, uh, at Edgar Destroys on Twitter and at Edgar Destroys on uh, Instagram. I do lots of uh, uh, art and stuff on Instagram that I'd love for people to like. And on and uh, they can check me out at uh, my Nerd Goat podcast, nerdgoatpodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. And also, Ed drew a whole Wolverine during, while we recorded this. <laughs> and I'll make sure to tweet put, that Put out. it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. But we'll put it in the show notes. And, you know, it's your boy, Ify Wadiway, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E on Twitter and Instagram, if D's on Twitch. And for all my comedy heads who happen to live in the Bay Area, who probably work at Google or something, uh, you know, come through, give me give me an Apple Watch, and I'll give you a long hug, like straight up two minutes, 120 seconds. We'll put the timer on. I'm just kidding. You don't have to give me an Apple Watch. But I will be up in San Francisco from San Francisco Sketch Fest on January 19th. I'll be doing two shows at 9.30. I'll be doing live at the uh, 9.30 or 9 p.m. Either way, go to the website. You can check it out. I'll be doing live at the Alamo. I'll be doing some stand-up. Then at 10 p.m., White Woman, we'll be doing Your Token Friend live and direct with a guest we're still picking out. It's going to be great, I promise you. And then the next day... I'll be doing a live podcast, Yo Is This Racist, with Andrew T. Tawny Newsom. It's going to be a good time. Please come through. Please give. If you want a patented iffy hug, let me know. I'm going to hug you. Let me know if you have back issues. And then if you do, I won't lift you up. I've made that mistake too many times. I don't risk it anymore. All right. Stay nerdy, y'all. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.
Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.